Hello, and welcome to Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and we are discussing tonight headlines in the news as we head towards elections 2022. Before I begin, I want to thank you once again for joining us in the tri-state area on 620 AM, 1640 AM, and 93.5 FM HD on Saturday nights at 9 o'clock, and following us and downloading us internationally through iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Out of Jerusalem through Jewish Podcast, the Talkline Radio Network, and of course, you can always get an episode on my website, cindyscorners.com. We have a huge show tonight, and they, we are talking about topics that are very close and dear to my heart and that I think are going to be the two most important issues that will bring and flip seats red and bring the United States united, and that is education and security on the border. So welcome into my corner, and let's begin. My first two guests are going to talk a lot about education, and it's a topic that's close to my heart as a former teacher, a whistleblower, and somebody who has been watching every day like you for the past year, parents finally waking up and realizing that their tax dollars are going to schools that actually hurt their children. And what's worse? We have an attorney general who calls them domestic terrorists for speaking up. It's crazy, but it's happening. And as a Jewish activist, I know about anti-Semitism in the classroom through curriculum, hiring and firing practices, the distortion of Jewish history and the history of Israel. And I talk a lot about that and compare it with our first guest, Kenny Z, who you have seen on Tucker Carlson, who you've seen on all other shows on Fox News, who you've read his articles in the Wall Street Journal. And Asian communities are waking up in record numbers to collate with Jewish communities to talk about the importance of school choice, because more than any other minorities, Jews and Asians are sharing discrimination practices because students are not getting rewarded for their merit. They are being left out of qualified positions because of the color of their skin or their religion. And this is a very sad happening. And while we are celebrating the Lunar New Year and talking about Year of the Tiger, and, to, and uh, handing each other red envelopes with pennies for good luck. The reality is hate crimes among Asians is growing rapidly, only second to the hate against Jews. So it is very important that we learn how we could collate, how we could actually change the minds of Democrats and independents who have common sense values to join the Republican Party and flip seats red on local, state, and national levels. Our next conversation is even more interesting, and it was a bigger surprise to me because I'm talking with a professor who calls out the next generation for what they are, what he feels they are, and what many of my friends say their kids are, spoiled brats. They don't know what it's like to actually have a relationship not based on an Instagram account or without flipping phones day and night to see if they have FOMO and miss someone's post. You know, this nation became a great nation two generations ago and three generations ago without answering machines, without 70 stations to choose from to stream and download. It became a great nation, the greatest nation, and provided the greatest generation all kinds of opportunities through hard work, family values, respect for school authority and community leaders, and also the respect of legally voting and voter integrity. So we're going to have a very interesting talk with a professor from Georgia. And Georgia is certainly in the news from both parties because in 2022, one of the most important national elections is going to be the race for governor. 
and we are going to see if Stacey Abrams versus one of the qualified Republicans, including Vernon Jones, who was a Democrat, is a minority, and actually supports President Trump, will the Republicans be able to collate among David Perdue or Vernon Jones against what we consider a rhino? So sit back and stay tuned, because every single day there are more headlines to discuss, and more of us are more angry, more frustrated, and don't know where to turn. Welcome back to this very important episode of Cindy's Political Corner. Our next guest is somebody you know from his writings in the Washington Times. You've seen him on Newsmax. You've seen him on Tucker Carlson and other shows on Fox. And you actually are reading his book all about CRT. And everybody knows who follows my show how important education activism is, especially as we get to elections in 2022. His book, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Mediocracy, is something that I, as a Jew, could relate to because Jews and Asians are fighting the same battle in regards to getting accepted for their merit rather than being discriminated against because of their religion or their skin. So, Kenny Chu, thank you so much for being a part of Cindy's Political Corner. Thank you for having me, Cindy. So, you have been very outspoken about what is going on in the Asian community and the impact of CRT for the outstanding academic work and merit that Asian Americans, Asian Americans deserve to be placed in top schools. What is going on that you can update us on that you're working on? Yeah, so there's a new push for racial equity right now in everything from college admissions to, you know, you know the, the, what kind of classes you should get into with math. Um, this is the new rave in education. And I want to break this down for you very, very clearly. You cannot have racial equity in schools while also not being discriminatory. Okay. You cannot, you cannot not. Let me illustrate to you why. Okay. Asian Americans have 50% of the nation's top SAT scores, 50%. Okay. So that means that if they were to get in on merit to the top schools like New York City specialized schools, they should get in at a rate of, you know, 50 percent. Right. But if you want racial equity, that means you have to discriminate against these Asians. Say you want racial equity to relate to the um, to the percentage of the U.S. population. Well, What's the percentage of Asians in the U.S. population? Oh, that's right. It's six percent. That means that you're going to have to reduce Asians from 50% to 6%. So you cannot have racial equity without uh, also discriminating. And that's what my book, An Inconvenient Minority, is about. It's about that contradiction found within CRT. So I taught in Queens, New York. And Queens, New York is home to one of the largest Asian uh, communities. And they also have one of the best school districts in the city. And of course, with our uh, progressive leadership, they're taking, they took away the talented and gifted program. And who knows if it's going to come back? You know, we say we have a new administration here, but not only is it just the discrimination in what classes, there's also this discrimination in the curriculum. And now the over 230 universities are making it mandatory to have CRT curriculum. But it starts, you know, people think it's just the college. It starts from grade one, kindergarten. Tell us more about uh, the CRT uh, curriculum and its impact on Asian Americans. Yeah, let's talk about CRT. So I studied the newly passed ethnic studies mandate in California, which, by the way, is going to be a thing in every state in five years. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Ethnic studies in California is straight up CRT, okay? What they teach in these ethnic studies curricula, which they're now teaching to high schoolers, which they will teach to middle schoolers, even elementary schoolers, 
They want to look at a view of history that necessarily divides people into the oppressed and the oppressor. Okay. That's what CRT is. It's the oppressed and the oppressor divided on the basis of race. Uh, and so in this ethnic studies class, you have, which I wrote about in my article in the Wall Street Journal, you know, you have teacher trainings where they divide white teachers, you know, into, into a circle and they divide black teachers and Hispanic teachers, teachers of color into a separate circle. And they teach them separate things. So if you're black and Hispanic, you're taught, I'm a minority, I'm oppressed, I need to fight for my rights, I need to be an activist. If you're white, you're taught, I need to be, uh, I need to apologize for my privilege, I need to repent for racism, everything like that. And that, that is the essence of CRT. It's, it's founded upon this division. And that, that's being exported into the public schools right now. Well, I, I happen to think that the most important issue in the 2022 elections is education between what Merrick Garland has done to make parents domestic terrorists and also the fact that minorities, traditionally uh, Democratic, are now switching parties in record numbers. And in the Asian community, I can just say from New York, the Asian community in Queens went for record numbers for the Republican candidate Curtis Lewa. And they're now looking for Republican candidates in uh, New York uh, in regard to um, who they're going to support, both financially and with votes. Tell me what you see with this. Yeah, there's a big shift right now in Asian American votes right now. And thank God, you know, people have always said Asians typically vote Democrats, but actually the majority of Asians don't vote at all. So people don't realize Asians are actually very untapped. And of course, Asians value education. They value meritocracy. That's why they come here. They come here because the American dream is real. Because you can come here and be treated, regardless of your background, on your merit, right? On the content of your character, right? Thank you, MLK. Now, what we've seen from this new Democratic Party is that they don't care about merit. They don't care about a person's individual excellence. All they want is equal outcomes. All they want is racially, you know, racially equitable outcomes. And as I said just before, you cannot have racial equity without discriminating against some group. So that's that's what we're having right now. And I think Asians are going to have a, have a big choice to make in the 2022 elections. And I hope they choose the right decision. And I have to say, um, I don't know how much you are aware of this, but I am, you know, people just think it's a choice between public schools and private schools, but don't think that some of this can't filter into the public schools if we don't watch it and are careful with it. Are you finding that as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I just did an investigative article with legal insurrection about a new DEI program at the elite Windsor school in Boston, Massachusetts. It's an all girls school. Now they eliminated the uh, they just eliminated uh, the language for calling girls girls. So now they're going to start referring to them as they them pronouns, everything like that. And you're forced to do this, by the way, you can't you can't get out of it. And so all that does is undermine the very desirability of girlhood. Now a girl is going to look, you know, go to this school and think, well, I'm not you know, I like playing sports, you know, or I like, um, you know, playing video games, I must be a boy, you know, instead of engaging in the diversity that girlhood really is. So that that's what's going to happen. As this DEI movement continues to infect our nation's public and yes, private schools. Where are you finding in what areas, and maybe you can't answer it, but, you know, people ask me this all the time, is are there some schools that are better than others? Are there some areas that are better for Asian communities to learn in? Yeah, uh, that's apps. There are. And well, better for everybody, not just the Asian community. But I would say anybody who cares about hard work being rewarded, anybody who cares about excellence being rewarded, I would, the number one thing you should look for is you should look for in your school district a commitment to meritocracy. What that means is 
you should you should make sure that the tops that the magnet schools are are based on merit based processes okay that reward you know uh, students doing well okay um, that means that you, that the school should also have strong disciplinary policies okay the reason why students get suspended no it's not because teachers are racist no it's not because principals are racist it's because the students are so toxic to the environment of the classroom that they cannot be put into a classroom lest the other students suffer okay that is why students are suspended so you need robust if you need when you go and choose a school district when you go and choose a superintendent choose one that believes in school discipline and believes in meritocracy i always tell people um that they need parent accountability. That's two words that aren't used enough that's used in other countries, including um, China, because parent accountability means that Democrats will lose votes. That's what they feel. Right, right. And it's a very big issue. And uh, you talk about discipline and a code of discipline. You also need the fact that school laws Evalu- the whole evaluation system of teachers, how they get their uh, licenses, the school reviews all have to be reevaluated because school after school have false paperwork because they do not want to expose the truth what goes on in these schools. Definitely, for sure. This is why you got you to get involved. Um, if you can't get involved uh, on a personal basis by attending school board meetings, you just don't have time. Let us be your voice. Um, I'm president of Color Us United, colorusunited.org. We fight for a race-blind America, right? That means judging people on merit. That means eliminating racial divisions. That means eliminating CRT, tackling woke corporations. Sign up on our website, colorusunited.org, and we will be your voice. Well, you you took my next question where people can reach you. And, of (laughs) course, (laughs) uh, the book is a bestseller. You can get it on Amazon in any bookstore. Please check it out. And the book is about all about CRT and everything that is going on. Remind everybody the name of the book and where to get it. My book is called An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Just look up An Inconvenient Minority on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get it wherever books are sold. It's about the attack on meritocracy that critical race theory poses and why we need Asian American political voices in our movement today. Well, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Political Corner. Thanks, Cindy. Hi, this is Donnie Most, and I always enjoy listening to Cindy's Celebrity Corner with Cindy Gross. Welcome back to Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and we are going to talk about my favorite discussion education activism. And I keep saying that CRT and what's going on in the schools that we see making headlines is nothing brand new this year. This is two decades in the making. And I have with us today, Mark Barlin, a noted author and columnist. You've seen his articles in the Washington Times. You've seen he's a teacher at Emory University and his latest book, is the dumbest generation grows up from stupidville youth to dangerous adults. And I could not agree with you more because I am a former public school teacher. I am an outspoken whistleblower, and I am probably the person Randy Weingarten fears most because the New York City Department of Education refuses to hand over the discovery demands and set up uh, witness uh, uh, testimony because they're afraid that the truth will come out. So thank you so much for joining Cindy's political corner. Thank you, Cindy. And, you know, I'm down in Virginia and we saw what happened in Virginia a couple of months ago with the election of governor Yunkin, a big shift in, in the vote that went Republican and it was actually educational activism. It was the parents, it was the behavior of school boards and of the Virginia Democratic leadership that really got so many people upset that we got we got a Republican in office. In fact, a Republican won in, in all the major races. And it was a shock 
to the left, to the Democrats here in Virginia, but they, they haven't changed. They've actually doubled down, they've ramped it up, and they're pushing forward on trying to cast the winners as people who don't want white people to have to face race in America, so on and so forth. So uh, this, this is, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if there was an issue in the New Jersey governor race or not, if education was an issue, but this is a political winner for, for Republicans if they will realize it. Uh, I keep saying that and talking about it with all the candidates that I'm working with and I'm uh, having on as guests. I think it's the number one issue because it's the issue that is nonpartisan, that needs bipartisan support. That is what it, my uh, slogan is on my book for five years and one I always use. And I see Democrats, independents, Republicans, libertarians, whoever has common sense in their blood concerned about safety, curriculum, and what teachers learn in school, the healthiest learning environment, which are all being abused right now. And it's going to be a discussion in every state, from New York to California to the reddest of red. As you said, and really what what my recent book builds on is, this is not a new issue. This is not a new problem. This goes back decades. And when we look at the way in which the education curriculum has been hollowed out of so much meaningful study of history, of politics, of religion, of literature, of tradition, Western civilization, uh, what we've done is we have educated children in nothing that gives them a deep set of values, purposes, beliefs. We don't give them patriotism. We give them a nation of which they should feel shame. We don't give them religion, certainly, with this wall of separation. And these kids grow up now. They were stuck on their phones throughout their teenage years, just consuming all the the youth blather, which is what the phones really mean to them. They walked around with 250 pictures of themselves in their pockets. Now they're 30 years old. This is what I write about in the book. And you remember back in 2006, we heard about how the millennials were going to be the greatest generation ever. They were informed. They were educated. They put the first African-American president into office. They were progressive and tolerant. They were the digital natives, the early adopters. They could run circles around us grown-ups with all the tools. They were going to lead America into the 21st century. Well, they're now 33 years old. They're bitter, depressed. Anxiety rates are up. Depression, as I said, is, is, is up. Their social attitudes are not tolerant. They are the most intolerant generation. They actually have a lot of vindictiveness a vengeful and mistrustful attitude toward their fellow citizens and fellow workers. This is what brings about the cancel culture that they're so big on these days. And you said before, when we were talking, it's the adults' fault. They got bad education. We gave them crummy movies, crummy music, we gave them bad entertainment on, on YouTube. Uh, we gave them the new, the new iPhones out. You got to go buy it. They did 4,000 text messages, and we didn't say stop. Read some books. Learn some things about our country. Learn some things about our history, our traditions, our great literature, our great architecture. We didn't say that. And now they're 33 years old. They're rootless, groundless. They're looking for purpose, looking for value, And this is where things like CRT and the 1619 Project come in. Those are very moral endeavors. They give these kids a sense of meaning. I can do something really important. Now, it's a twisted history that they're giving them, distorted values. They have awful lessons. But what else have these kids got? 
Do we give them a heritage? Do we give them great role models? Look at the way the athletes, look at the way Hollywood celebrities behave. No, we have done this to them. And now they're entering middle age. They're not having kids. They're not forming families. They don't like their jobs. They're angry about the conditions of their lives and they don't have the equipment to deal with it. Well, I could answer so much. I'm going to start from young and move up. We've allowed the teachers unions to change the course of parent accountability in schools. They have bogus evaluations. They were hungry for teachers, so they watered down this, the um, qualifications needed and brought in many people that can't add, can't write, can't read to teach. They taught opinions that many of them weren't American-born. They, what they were taught in whatever country, many of them minority, expecting to come here not loving America first, like the generations of the early 1900s. When people came over in those days, they came here, kissed Ellis Island, had to go through a process because many people were not originally accepted. And for 20 years, these kids have seen this from first grade on up. They were able to get away with weapons in school and violence. They were able to get meals in the school and buy $250 sneakers with the welfare money. And the super rich kids, well, their parents were so busy partying themselves that they were able to get away with anything. So you have the extremes on all ends. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Hollywood's paying for it. Now the golden globes were a disaster. Nobody wants to watch anything fashion week, which I'm involved in. It's totally finished. Hmm. You know, Cindy, Bernie Marcus, the co-founder of Home Depot, he tells a story about his mother coming. I I saw him give this talk uh, several years ago. His mother emigrated from either Russia or Ukraine. I think Jews who had to flee. Jews had a hard time in the early 20th century in Kiev and other places. He said the day... She swore an oath to the Constitution and became a citizen was one of the proudest days of her life. The gratitude was profound, and she never lost the gratitude for what this country provided for her. We do not teach any gratitude among the young today. In the schools, what do they learn about America? Slavery, Genocide of the Indians, Jim Crow, imperialism in, in, in the Philippines, in Vietnam. It is a litany of crimes that this country is supposed to have perpetrated. That's the, the central story now in history, in U.S. history and American schools today, is the civil rights movement. And it doesn't have a triumphant ending The ending of the Civil Rights Movement is not the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, and the end of Jim Crow. No, it's the assassinations of of King and others. It's the persecution of the Black Panthers, and it is the perpetuation of systemic racism. It's not a triumphal story anymore. Forget about the founders. Forget about Plymouth Rock. All that is just myth. Now they've given us a whole different American sense of the past. And it doesn't make these kids feel good. No, it doesn't. People want to feel good about their home. They want to feel good about their country. And what do we tell them? Your country's awful. What do we tell the 15-year-old African-American kid? This country raped and whipped your ancestors. And this country hates you. And it's going to exploit you at every opportunity. What a great message to give a 16-year-old. And now these DAs are telling them, go steal, go carjack, go rape, because you're not going to sit in jail. 
these videos that pop up on Twitter and elsewhere of the looting going on and of the shoplifting, you know, the crowds pouring in or sometimes just a few, a small group of people just shoplifting with seeming impunity is a profound sign of civilizational collapse. Okay. This is the sign of a country that no longer wishes to defend itself. You know, the, the, the lack of a border is a country that doesn't want to defend itself anymore. Now, one of the ways that you demoralize a people relative to their country is you catch them at early ages and you teach them, this is not a country worth defending. This is a bad place and it's got to change. I mean, people who feel good about their country are not very open to radical change. They like the country. They like the way things are. So you, you, what, what you do is you start capturing minds at a young age, and that opens the route to revolution. Well, science proves that a brain is developed for education between kindergarten and second grade. Everything else springs from that. That's the key where your brain is determined. That's what teachers are taught as they do, do early education. But I have to say, it, we have to fear there is this extreme craziness on the very right also, and we have to make ourselves aware. We see how the left is falling apart. We see how we could be winning points. A perfect example are the record number of black, especially black men running as conservatives for Congress around the country in 2022. They are tired of being associated with all this nonsense. Cindy, tell me more about that, because you don't hear much about that in the media. We've got a lot of black candidates on the right. We have a lot of talented, smart, articulate, soft-spoken, family-oriented, business-successful people. We could be ha- we could have Texas with a black governor if Alan West wins, Vernon Jones with a black governor. I mean, it is popping up all over and people don't look at them and they all say the same thing. They don't want to be known by the color of their skin, but by the merit of their work. They're not there to serve black people. They're there to serve all people. And I'm doing a lot of work as a Jewish activist with them because, of course, the Democratic Party wants to equate every black hating every Jew and every hate crime and building up the squad to hate Israel and have it not exist. So, yes, we have plenty of good. And that's one thing that, you know, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And when you see that a year into the Biden administration, the lowest ratings of any president, a non-existent vice president, and the talk of Hillary Clinton being the savior for 2024, you know that people are fed up. Now the next step is to get rid of these teachers' unions, to get rid of these uh, unions involved in, in, in colleges like where you work. Now this is the fifth book you published. What made you decide to write this book at this time? Well, I'd written a book in 2008 called The Dumbest Generation, How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30. So the idea there was pointing out, you're letting these kids dive into their screens. I see them walking across campus now in 2007, eyes glued to that cell phone. I go to the library, they're all at a computer terminal, no one is up in the stacks. I can go lie down and, and it's like a morgue up there where the books are. This is a terrible thing. And the problem is my colleagues across the country in the humanities, the professors, they didn't want to tell these kids, hey, get off of the stupid video game and read your books. OK, stop doing all this stuff on, on online and texting and everything. And let's get a little serious here. They didn't want to do that because so many of them after growing up after the 60s with the youth movement, they didn't want to seem old. They wanted to show up in class at age 50, suddenly sporting a little ponytail and an earring, you know, for the first time ever in their lives. They didn't want to be the old grouch, the get off my lawn, the crusty reactionary, the conservative. No, no, no. And so they didn't say anything. They let these kids 
just proceed with their adolescent youth stuff. That's what I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Come on, you guys, we got to stand up for good educational humanistic values here. You're so worried about being old, of being no longer cutting edge, no longer progressive, that you, uh, you, you won't say anything about this. So that's, that was really what motivated that book. And what I predicted was what's happened. That's, and it also has produced, like you said, they're single. They rely on resumes for dating or apps. You need interpersonal relationships. They don't know how to go on interviews for jobs. No. They don't have relationships to build on. And that's one of the uh, the downfalls of all this. Is And also the idea that you can never rest. You know, people with, you know, not having a, um, a phone by them day and night texting. And they weren't, they took off Fridays, you know, Saturdays and Sundays. Now everybody thinks they're 24 seven accessible and it's impossible. Nobody yeah. knows the difference of what a professional relationship is, a personal relationship, or yeah. giving people respect to maybe go to, you know, enjoy their religious day because religion fell out of the realm of all this too. Oh yeah. You know, more than 80% of teenagers sleep with the cell phone right by the pillow within arm's reach so that, you know, if a picture comes by of that cheerleader from last weekend, uh, you know, one in the morning, let's check it out. You know, I want to, I want to respond to it. You're right. It's a 24 seven world. There's no downtime for them. And, you know, one of the things Mark Zuckerberg once said was Facebook means that you never, ever have to be alone again. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. It is crucial that every human being be alone now and then. Every person should get out of the social network. You know, every religious leader takes time away. That's right. I I must go off by myself. Silence, contemplation, reflection is crucial. Get away from the stimulation, all the bells and whistles of the screen. You must have periods each day when you do something like this, they don't have that. That's no, gone. They don't. They they don't. don't. And, they, and they don't know because it's been that way ever since they've been five years old. So they don't know. And they are more, uh, their weight, they're lazy, they're not physically fit, and their health is at risk in so many ways. And also, the fact is that they have proven because they feel that they don't need education anymore in culture because they don't need jobs or they could look for other things to do. They don't know from uh, the classics, like you say, or going to a museum or going to a Broadway show. They have no interest in it. You know, one of the important things about a humanistic education is that it gives you materials to sort of filter, interpret, handle the things that happen to you in life. You're in love. You get rejected. You know, it it, it helps you work through that if you've got the great stories, the great representations of love stories, especially people who've been rejected. You know, you, you, you see these events happening in, you know, the great epics like Dido, and Aeneas, or Romeo and Juliet, or Gatsby and Daisy. They just become kind of a a background, a reservoir that helps you understand what is happening to you. It doesn't help if all you're reading are short snippets of contemporary literature about identity. Oh, that's not going to provide the depth that will help people deal with adulthood. And If you don't have examples of great political speeches given or or great speeches given by people in the American past from Booker T. Washington to Washington's farewell address to to uh, uh, William Jennings Bryan, then you have nothing by which to evaluate the garbage that is coming out of the mouths of our politicians today. You don't know how dumb it is. 
So what, what these materials do is give you critical, sort of critical understanding of the present. That's well, what the great materials of the past do for you. They don't have that, so they don't know. Correct. Well, we can find out a lot more, and you have a lot of analysis in the book. It's The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. It's available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. Mark, where can our listeners find you if they want to reach out? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, Zinni, when I did The Dumbest Generation book in 08, I mean, that, that, the title of that book insulted 93 million Americans. So I got a ton of emails. I responded to every single one. I still get some emails today, some angry ones. I, I, I give them a chance to talk to me because if you're going to write a book with that title, you got to stand up and, and take the heat. The same thing for this one. You know, my name, Bauerlein, B-A-U-E-R-L-E-I-N. It's pretty rare. You can always find me. People can contact me. I'm always open for discussion and debate about, about these issues. So, you know, Amazon, of course, Leviathan, that's the place where, where we buy everything. So the book is available there, but you can go ahead and uh, uh, send me a note. Thank you so much for joining Cindy's Political Corner. And please keep up this work because there is going to be a reaction to all this in the near future. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Isn't it a great show? So I'm doing two introductions tonight because the last two guests were talking about education and the next guest is talking about security on the borders and human trafficking. And I have become involved in an organization called Trauma to Triumph. And I am very fortunate that I will be working together with Sheriff Brad Coe, somebody you have seen on Fox News and Newsmax and heard all over the country on radio stations everywhere talking about what is going on on the border. He is the sheriff of Kinney County and was one of the first last March and last April to point out the craziness that the Biden administration started and how people in his communities are struggling. They are begging for help. Their homes, their businesses, their land is being destroyed all within one year because of this crazy administration stand on illegal immigration on the southern border. So Trauma to Triumph is having their benefit February 12th, but you don't have to be at the benefit to get involved. You can go to their website and find out their silent auction, and you can find out all the things they do. They share a tremendous amount of information that I just recently learned that I want to share. And you're asking me, why am I getting involved in this? Because I am an Orthodox Jew and a Zionist, and I have spent a lot of my time defending and supporting the borders of the state of Israel, the historic, religious, economic, legal borders of Israel. And we know what happens when people want to destroy a country they come into. And we cannot allow it to happen in America. We cannot allow it to happen in Texas. And as we now know that 50 states are involved through illegal transportation 
ways, even legal transportation. We found out the Biden administration's involved. So trauma to triumph is the voice of the voiceless. And what their goal is, is that they are going to try to buy a ranch to help victims of human trafficking reestablish their lives. Did you know that 300,000 children are forced into prostitution and pornography annually? I never knew that. I never thought it could happen here, right? And with the help of the government, no less. And did you know that children used to harvest their body parts? That's right. Children are used to harvest their body parts. It's scary. They are kidnapped. They are taken to a private area where they breed children for the purpose of selling their parts and also selling them with birth certificates to people that want to adopt. We are importing children by plane loads and children that have no documentation into our neighborhoods. And we can't discuss the destruction that's going on by residents, legal residents in the state of Texas by these illegals. So join me in listening and getting involved in Trauma to Triumph and also sit back and learn more from Sheva Bradco. Thank you. Welcome back to this very important episode of Cindy's Political Corner, talking about the most important issues during the 2022 year for elections. And there has been no bigger voice than Sheriff Brad Coe on the issue of border security and human trafficking that is going on by the Texas border. You've seen him on Fox News. You've seen him on Steve Bannon's War Room. And you've heard him on multiple podcasts and featured in multiple print articles. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Well, uh, there is nothing more important right now than security in the minds of Americans all over the country. And you have been one of the most outspoken uh, advocates for securing our border. Tell us what is going on now. better word we are under siege uh traditionally this time of year illegal immigration kind of slows down it doesn't pick back up until usually slows down around october real slow through to mid-january but this year it hasn't slowed down if anything it's increasing so right now we're stretched to the to the almost to the breaking it wasn't for galveston county sending people over uh, the support we're getting from other counties, interior counties within the state of Texas, we would be lost. So you are the uh, sheriff for Kinney County. And I remember reading even like last April and March, you were calling out the Biden administration asking for help. You were asking for volunteers from all over the country. Your local residents were offering food and lodging for them just for securing their own land. And it seems to have gotten worse, not better. It's just, it's worse and worse day by day. And we're trying to keep a lid on it, trying to keep control of it. We are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we started prosecuting people for criminal trespass back in, I think it was late July, early August. So far, we've filed close to 2,300 criminal trespass cases. Uh, we're starting to see indications that some of this foot traffic that we're dealing with is starting to move further south in our county, uh, going into a different county. So they're starting to walk around us, which is, is part of the goal to secure Kenny County. Uh, a couple other counties have joined on with the, the filing of criminal trespass charges, and it's just going to be a matter of time to see if it's really going to work. So you are involved with Trauma to Triumph. Why is this organization so important to you? They back us 110 percent. Plus, they reach they reach people that we can. Uh, we're just a small county here in, in Texas with 3,300 people. So our voice in Austin, while yes, in, in Washington also, we 
can have a bit of a voice, but the more organizations such as theirs, they can spread the word more than we can. And uh, tell us a little bit about your involvement with the gala in February. Which one? The gala they're hosting February 12th to build or to buy a ranch and help victims of human trafficking, especially young teens. Uh, I met I met uh, Miss Monica back uh, early in my in my senior year at the sheriff's office. We had a mutual friend, uh, Pastor Y.J. Jimenez, and she is very outspoken. She's very uh, she is a strong, strong Christian woman. She's doing everything she can to help these people that have been hung hung up in I would say sex trafficking, where they've been in some type of uh, involvement where they can't that they can't get out of they need to start a new life it's one thing for law enforcement or any agency to go in and rescue these people but then what do they do with them? and it's groups like monica's that try to get them back on their feet try to get them a career path try to get them where they can be self-sufficient they're not depending on anybody so that's why that's why she stands head and shoulders above the rest we can go in and rescue them but she's the one that's trying to get them back uh so I understand you invited uh, the famous Dr. Fauci to the border to see what's going on and uh, to talk about uh, some of the uh, measles epidemic. Whatever happened, did you ever get a response? Well, I never got a response early. I never got a response from you. Uh, regarding that, and I really didn't expect one. Uh, he's, he's, he's tied up in Washington. That's all he knows, what's going on in Washington. He can, he can care less what's going on in Kitty County, uh, with, whether it be measles, Ebola, or anything. And this, even though this is in Texas and you're in Texas, you're doing the work for the country because everybody that you're protecting on a ranch, you are protecting potential illegal immigrants going into their states, going to their businesses and raiding them. Tell us what's going on on the ranches and uh, the land that you are protecting. People don't hear enough or see enough about it because the fake news refuses to report the truth. Well, not all we have here in Kenny County is our agriculture. We don't have industry. Uh, we don't have tourism. So we have all we have is ranchers. Uh, with these people walking through the ranches these days, uh, they feel, they have a sense of entitlement. They think that they can do what they want, where they want. And they're cutting fences. They're stealing vehicles. They're destroying property. Uh, what we see here today, Chicago's going to see tomorrow. But the people on the interior of the United States don't understand the fact that a group of 10, 15 people walking across your property damages the ecosystem. Because they'll use the same trails over and over, and you've got to you've got to be able to support your cattle. You've got to be able to support your livestock. They're damaging windmills. They're damaging water troughs. And if you've got a say a thousand acre pen where you've got your animals in, they destroy the water trough, and you don't catch it for four or five days, especially during the summer. You've lost half your stock, and <clears throat> they just keep destroying property. And when they're coming up to the ranchers, years back, they were hardworking people. Hands were calloused, skin was like leather from working out, out in the sun. And they would ask very politely, very humbly, uh, can we get some water? Uh, is it okay if we camp under this tree for the night? And nine times out of 10, it was permissible. Now they're demanding be driven to the highway. They're demanding food, they're demanding water. So the, 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 there's been a shift in the, in the attitude of the, of the migrants coming in. And if I lose this county, we lose, we stand to lose a lot of the, of the state because we're the first line of defense. What do you tell people who are uh, listening how they can help you out? Where could they reach out to you? What do you need? Well, I need personnel, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, one thing they can do is let their voice be heard. Talk to their representatives, talk to their state and local representatives, their representatives in Washington that it's, sooner or later, it's going to affect everybody, if it hasn't already. Uh, I'm starting to hear from the people of Houston. They're tired of it. And Houston, I don't know what the population is, but well over a million. And when those people start to complain, 
But then there's something wrong. So they're losing jobs. They're tired of the people uh, stealing stuff, moving into the, to the neighborhoods and, and uh, just tearing things up in general, stealing jobs. And it will eventually affect everybody. If for some reason tomorrow our uh, giggling vice president decided to come down to your border, and I'm sure you would be a gracious host and show her exactly what's going on factually. What would be your message to her? One thing I would tell her is, hey, I would, like you said, I would take her out and I would show her what's going on. And these are the people that are being affected the most right now, but it's going to affect her later on. And just try to get that message across that, yes, we are a nation of immigrants. As long as they do it legally and lawfully, Nobody in the country has a problem with them. And just try to get that point to her that, hey, we do have the laws on the books. We may have to modify some, and I think some do need to be, be adjusted. But I would just try to drive home the point that this is no, this is, this is going to destroy our country. Well, uh, it's amazing. I mean, I think about five years ago this time when I was busy celebrating the victory of Donald Trump and build the wall and it's it's amazing how in less than a year, four years of great work was destroyed. And, and I agree with you. Um, this is not a, a Republican deal. It's not a Democratic deal. It's an American deal. When, when uh, Obama wanted to build the wall, all the Democrats hailed him. Yes, let's build the wall. Let's get this going. Trump decides he's going to continue that legacy and build, complete the wall. Also, everybody turned on him because he was a Republican, basically because he was a businessman. He wasn't a politician. That, I think that's why they turned on him. Because I agree. He, yeah, he was running the country like a business. And in four short years, we had basically we had China on their knees. Mexico was complying with what we, what we demanded of them. And now it's just open road. It's free reign. We're back at the mercy of the Chinese. Sheva Bradko, where can our listeners uh, find out more about you and your work? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I do have a Facebook page. It's Kenny County Sheriff's page. Uh, they, we try to keep that updated as much as possible, what's going on. Uh, little tidbits of information here and there. We do the, the public service stuff. We try to keep abreast of what's going on within the county, the smuggling cases, the narcotics cases. Uh, we go out tidbits of information how to keep from being scammed so uh that's probably the best spot and of course through the organization trauma to triumph which is a, an organization you are very involved in and support again thank you for joining cindy's political corner well, thank you god bless y'all thank you welcome back to cindy's celebrity corner i am your host cindy gross and just like that The hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the Talkline Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.